Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Leviticus. Hey, good morning, friends and faithful listeners. This is Jen with the P40 Ministries podcast and happy Friday. And guess what? My sister is back on the podcast with us, and I'm really, really excited because I haven't had her on in like over a month, I think it's been, hasn't it? I think it's been like two months, actually. I had had to beg, you know. (laughs) She had to beg to be back on. She like contacted me a few days ago, and she's like, so am I coming back on your podcast or what? (laughs) And I told her, I'm like, no, you're not invited anymore. But then she like begged and pleaded with me, and it made me feel guilty. So here she is. Thanks. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, for that. Uh, yeah, for that. That um, introduction for anybody yeah. that doesn't know me. Yes. So. <laughs> but yeah, this is my sister. For those of you who are new to the podcast and uh, before she was joining us once a month, usually at the beginning of the month to um, talk about the Bible with me. And um, yeah, and, and she's back today. We kind of like uh, got all like messed up. What are you doing? I I lost my phone and I'm afraid that it's going to make really random noises. I'm sorry. It just did. I heard it. I know, but I don't know where it went. It's probably under whatever you're using to record this. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was really loud. I'm sorry. I forgot to turn it off. Okay. Okay. Now that that's off. Thank you. Yes. Anyway, this is my sister. And as you can see, she's similar to me, disorganized. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is uh, roasting. That's a really good. That's a really good description of me. Many times. Yes. I have to say, I, I work on that. I work on that. All right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the Bible instead of uh, disorganization, and we'll be reading Leviticus six verses eight through thirteen today. And I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version, as I always do. And I think my sister has the N.I.V. version. So we might be referencing them both on occasion. But I'll go ahead and read this out of the W.E.B. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth on the altar all night until the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. The priest shall put on his linen garment, and he shall put on his linen trousers upon his body, and he shall remove the ashes from where the fire has consumed the burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments and put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. He shall lay the... He shall lay the burnt offering in order upon it, and it shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. 
So, Jane, what stood out to you the most, do you think, in these five verses? Well, six verses here. What do you think stood out? The one thing that I noticed the most is the commandment about the fire that has to be burning continually. It's just, it's repeated at the, like, that's the conclusion of the entire um, passage here is fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out, which is exactly what it says in verse 12. And then um, even earlier, it said it referenced that. And when we were talking about it before we started you know, talking about it on the podcast, I was just really enthralled by the amount of fire analogies in the Bible, especially relating to God and to the Holy Spirit. And almost every single time we see a representation of God in the Bible, fire is included in that. For example, we saw fire already with God in the burning bush. We saw the pillar of fire that was guiding the Israelites at night. And then we saw when Moses was going up the mountain that like literal fireballs were like coming out of the sky and the mountain was burning. So we see already in Exodus that fire is like a huge part of God's character or just fire. Like, I don't know. Fire is a part of God a little bit. So we see in the New Testament, though, different references for fire when it includes like the Holy Spirit. Like the uh, most popular one I can think of is the tongues of fire in Acts when um, <clears throat> when the church was like speaking in tongues and the spirit was like above their heads and it looked like little fires. <laughs> and, you know, it also says that Jesus was going to baptize the church in fire, you know, which it, which is the spirit. So fire and God are so linked. It's just kind of interesting how linked they are. Exactly. And it's just showing that that carries out from the Old Testament through the New Testament. As we talk about Jesus, um, you know, some of these things we're just so unfamiliar with um, burnt offerings because none of us, hopefully none of us have sacrificed a burnt offering in our lifetime. So my husband would joke about that sometimes. Yeah, I'm not the best cook, but I try. Um, so anyways, we're, we're really unfamiliar with some of these ideas, but there is so much reference to Jesus. There's so much in this law and in every single thing that it's, it's just amazing to look and see, wow, this is, this is representing the Holy Spirit. This is important here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so Speaking more about this fire that comes down onto the altar, we will see later on in Leviticus in just a few more chapters that God himself actually lit the initial fire on the altar. So this was like a representation of God's spirit coming down and like lighting this fire on the altar. And then God is saying here in Leviticus 6 that that fire, the fire that God lights himself is never supposed to go out. And, James, you made an excellent reference to the verse, you shouldn't quench the spirit. So can you, like, um, give us a little more insight into that? Right. So we see the tongues of fire. The spirit was upon um, the church, of course, at Pentecost. And um, it was actually visible in fire, which we, you know, we can be filled with the spirit. And we have 
the spirit of God, but that when we have Jesus Christ, but we don't necessarily see that manifested in the same exact way. Um, but we do have the commandment that we are not to quench the spirit. So it is possible to extinguish, um, God's work in our life through the spirit. And again, that's such a fire word. So it's still indicating that although we cannot see, um, the fire that is, we are supposed to be in, have indwelling our lives, that we are supposed to be filled with the spirit, that we are com be, being commanded to be filled with the spirit, that we have the power actually to quench that. And I think that this is the first time that this is represented, you know, that, well, not the first time it's throughout the tabernacle that these fires are not supposed to go out, but that is still a representation of our life today that we are supposed to be so involved in making sure that our life is aligning with God's will, because uh, the Bible says that we are not supposed to be living for the flesh and for our own desires, what we want. But when we are using our life to glorify God and we want what he wants, our life is filled with the spirit and our life is being lived for him. Yeah. And, um, what you said to me kind of stood out with we we have the power to quench that spirit if we so choose which is why paul gives us that command do not quench the spirit <laughs> and you know quench that's a that's a you know when we think of the word quench that usually involves water right you think of like a bucket of water just like psh, yeah like right, you yeah know. <laughs> like putting out the fire and so it's interesting that paul uses that word quench like representing that the spirit is like a fire. So we have the we have the choice. Are we going to allow the spirit to continue to live inside of us? Or are we going yes. to quench that spirit? Well, and that word quench, you know, um, when we quench our thirst it, with water or whatever. So that's a good, I think the KJV word is quench. But also it is extinguish. It can be translated the same as extinguish, which is directly, you know, in reference to fire. So, and that, if anybody wants to know, that is in First Thessalonians in chapter five, um, some of Paul's last statements to the Thessalonian church. Yeah. And so I think that is what we're seeing here in Leviticus is almost like a foreshadowing of the spirit. So the fact that these priests are not allowed to quench this fire that God literally lights himself. Same thing for us nowadays. Uh, we're not supposed to like quench the spirit, the fire that God gives us, I suppose. And I kind of wonder though, and maybe you have some insight on this, James, is what, what are some ways we could quench the spirit? Like what are some things we should avoid? Well, I was thinking about, um, the specific verse in Galatians that it says, walk by the spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. So we're supposed to be walking in that every day. So if we see um, that we are just looking out for ourselves, worrying about um, just all of our problems and, and just completely focused on the here and now and never really thinking about what God wants for our lives or depending on God with our lives, then I think that is an indication that we are 
living for ourselves and not walking in the spirit. And that is a way that I think in my own life, I quench the spirit when I, I'm trying to figure something out, like, um, a problem. And I have this plan that I'm going to do whether or not God likes it, because that's a good idea. And I don't ask him and I just completely ignore that. I think that we need to be, um, in prayer with situations and just realizing that he gives us everything. And when we acknowledge that in our lives, I think that it's a lot easier to walk in the spirit. You know, I, I've been realizing recently, especially of how powerful prayer really is. And I think a lot of Christians nowadays are kind of like, well, why, sh- why do we need to pray? Because God already knows everything. So why should we pray? Well, I mean, Jesus prayed <laughs> regularly. <laughs> and if like Jesus can supply all of his own needs, you know, and he still found it necessary to go and pray on a regular basis to God, then uh, certainly I think we who cannot supply our own needs need to go and uh, pray to God. And so um, I'm just learning that there is a power in prayer that I suppose I never really recognized before. So I think maybe another way that we can like get back on track of like not focusing completely on ourselves is maybe taking some time to pray, even though we may not may not understand like what the importance of it is, taking some time to actually like be in fellowship with God. And in fact, it's kind of funny that I mentioned fellowship here because verse 12 of what we read today, it actually says that um, the priest shall lay the burnt offering in order upon it and shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. One thing I didn't recognize today when uh, my sister was reading out the NIV version, peace offering in the NIV version is actually translated as the fellowship offering. So when Jamie was like, what's a fellowship offering? I was like, I don't know. I don't remember. (laughs) I don't remember learning about a fellowship offering. And then when we like went into a different version, we're like, oh, that's the peace offering. But it makes a lot of sense that it's also like a a fellowship offering because the whole nature of the peace offering was to like basically be in fellowship with God. Like you take that animal, the priest eats some, some of it is given to God and then the rest of it can go home to your family and it would be like a ceremonial meal that you could have with your family that would be very enjoyable and you would almost be like sharing a meal in a sense with God. So it's like a fellowship offering as well as like a peace offering, you know, um, I mentioned it before as God's peace coming on you during that time, because to me, eating food is just such a peaceful event. (laughs) 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 It really is. Like I, I am extremely food motivated. Like if I was a dog, I would be the one that is just begging at the table constantly. In fact, Jane, what did I used to do when I was a kid? Did you beg for food? I definitely begged for food. Don't you remember? I don't know. What did you do? I would stand at the edge of the table. And I remember doing this. It was when anybody was eating. I was probably like two or three years old. I'd stand at the edge of the table and beg for food. Do you remember that? You know, now that you say it, I'm thinking, yeah, you probably did do that. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I think there's pictures of me doing that because everybody thought it was so funny. Probably. 
<laughs> and I remember you used to yell at me all the time. You'd be like, get lost. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's things that I choose not to remember. I would have thought I was such a giving, giving generous. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if there was a kid begging at my table for food, I would also say get lost. This is mine. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I used well, to I, beg for food. I don't know that I remember that completely, but yeah, I, I mean, you would do that. Yeah, I would. I love I the did. correlation though that you just made with that peace offering and the fellowship offering and the prayer. And um, I just, I want to go back because, you know, you said like lots of people are like, well, why would, why would you pray? And another thing that, you know, we catch ourselves doing is, well, I guess all that's left to do now is pray. Like we're just so helpless. Like, well, I mean, it's hopeless. We, I mean, yeah, last resort and it should be our first resort. We're supposed to be devoted to prayer. That's actually a word that the Bible uses devoted. And I mean, I can be devoted to becoming, um, healthier weight loss or, exercising every day or even, you know, devoted to becoming, you know, more organized, you know, but (laughs) devoted, devoted to prayer. That's, that's the first thing. And I love that devoted to it more than you're devoted to begging for food. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, it's funny that you mentioned that though, because I actually went to a woman's conference, I think back in September and the lady who spoke like the keynote speaker, she did like a whole thing on prayer. And one thing that she said was kind of the same exact thing you just said is like, people are like, oh, you know, all we can do is pray. The least we can do is pray. And then she said, no, actually the most you can do is pray. And that hit me. And honestly, that's the only thing I remember from that conference, if I'm being 100% honest. (laughs) But that helped me a lot because that was kind of my start back in September or whenever that was of beginning to understand more about prayer was that particular speaker that came, like, that went up and spoke about prayer. And I thought that was really interesting because I remember thinking that before, like, oh, well, you know, last thing I can do is pray. But this lady, like, she really hit the nail on the head with saying, like, no, it's actually the first thing you should do and the most important thing you can do for somebody. Because, yeah, I I kind of want that to be, you know, your gut reaction, like something happens. Okay, we're going to pray right now. And I've been put to shame, you know, because my daughter, she's six and she'll just stop if I say, oh, this happened. Mom, we have to pray right now. And I mean, she will just go for it because, you know, we teach her to do that. But then I have to question myself. I taught her to do that. Did I really believe that? Because that's what she naturally does, that faith of a child. And somewhere along the way, I've walked away from that and have quenched the spirit like that when I should just react to any situation, good or bad, to give it back to God. Thank you, God. Wow. You know, that wasn't my own doing. That was that was you. Thank you for using me or thank you for providing this or please help that person right now or help Mm -hmm. me. And uh, it's funny. I have my own story with prayer this week. So um, we had a terrible snowstorm here. 
okay <laughs> like a t- <laughs> like a terrible snowstorm and i actually posted a video about it on my facebook if you guys are interested in looking at how how deep the snow was it was up to my thighs and it was fun for a minute because you know you go outside and you're just like oh this is so beautiful but my husband was an hour away and uh, he ended up having to spend two nights elsewhere because he couldn't come home because the snowstorm was so bad. And also he couldn't get into our driveway, even if he wanted to come home, because we have an 800 foot driveway, if not longer. I'm not actually sure how long it is, but it is so long and it is extremely, uh, I don't know how to put this, but it's treacherous. It's treacherous. Like it's it, <laughs> it goes through the woods it has potholes everywhere. There's curves. There's turns. You, yeah. It, you can't back out of my driveway. You have to like turn around. and <laughs> It's like going up like a mountain path practically. No, it's, it's beautiful. It's like, you know, serene and going through the woods. It's beautiful. But, you know, it's kind of like off-roading. Yeah, it's like off-roading. So um, I didn't pray about it at all. At all. So then last night in... Uh, this like knee deep snow, I, it, t- it took me like 15 minutes to walk to the end of my driveway. I'm not even joking. So I'm like trekking through the snow and I'm practically dying. And I have this shovel in my hand and I'm like, I'm going to try to at least get rid of enough snow at the end of my driveway so that my husband can just pull in and at least he can like walk up to the house with me. So all, like I'm, I'm shoveling and I'm just like, I can't do this. There's too much snow. And on top of that, the snowplow went by and just like piled it all up. So it was like six feet of snow in my driveway. And I'm like, OK, and I'm, I'm being a little dramatic, but it was it was very high. And I'm like, I don't think I can do this. So then well, I'm I don't just think like, you're being dramatic, Jen, because when you told me you were going out to shovel your driveway, I told you take water with you and be careful because you might have to build yourself a snow cave halfway there. <laughs> to survive through the night. I I knew this was not a joke. <laughs> yeah, like it was it was a lot. And so um so then I went out and I started trying to shovel and my husband came and um I had to like walk all the way back to go grab a diff- another shovel and we started shoveling together. And then I'm like, "You know what? <clears throat> I have not prayed about this issue." And by the way, I couldn't find a snowplow guy. That was the other issue. And I was like, God, please help us find a snowplow guy. And so um, so then, like an hour later, I get a call from my pastor because he knew about our situation. He's like, hey, one of the guys that, you know, works down the street from you, he's willing to come out. And uh, after he's done with his job, he's willing to come out and, you know, plow your driveway for you. And... Like literally within an hour, we had a guy plowing our driveway. So it took me three days to get to that point where I like prayed about it. And within an hour, it was done. Well, within like two hours, because the guy had to like, you know, actually plow our driveway. But it was done. And I'm just like, man, like, why don't I pray more often? Why don't I like actually tell God what my issues are? Like God absolutely knew I needed help with this issue. But it wasn't until I came to him and was like, God, I need your help that he actually like helped me. <laughs> and I, I love that story that it made you realize and that God used that to bring you to the knowledge that you should be praying. And sometimes it doesn't happen like that. Sometimes, 
you have to pray about it every day for a long time. And it's not answered in an hour, but sometimes it is. And then we think, oh, well, why didn't I pray about that? But even when we have to wait, it's that trust. We're trusting in God, knowing that his answer is the right answer, whether or not it's the answer that we want. Right. I agree with that. But um, to conclude here in Leviticus 6, um, you know, it says that, you know, the fire needs to always be burning. But the other thing we didn't really mention here is uh, the priest taking these ashes outside of the camp. And I find that to have some significance as well, because first the priest has to put on his like linen garments and his linen underpants. <laughs> he has to wear his underwear to like clean off the altar. So it's almost like showing like deep respect for God, for the fire, for the altar. But then like once the dirty work happens of him like having to take these ashes outside the camp, that's when he has to like change into his work clothes and do that. And it also has to be in a clean place is what it says. He can't just keep dumping these uh, ashes in the same old dirty place over and over. It has to be a clean place new fresh spot every time yeah i think it's really interesting that he changes his clothes and i didn't even think of it as a respect thing just more like oh well this is ash so it's no doubt going to make him dirty but i think that that might be a part of it is just the the reverence for the entire situation and um just the respect that is shown there mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of this has to do with just respect of God's altar, like respect of what belongs to God and just having respect, even if you're thinking about the fire in the terms of the Holy Spirit, having respect for the Holy Spirit, because it even that even <clears throat> reminds me of that verse we talked about in Matthew, where it says that um, where Jesus tells the Pharisees that if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that is a unforgivable sin. So respect of what is God's like respect of the Holy Spirit is very very important I believe and kind of just this entire little thing here in Leviticus is just showing how important it is to respect God exactly and he we do have fellowship we're invited to have fellowship with God all this this whole um, passage is talking about inviting us to have this communication with God and yet mm -hmm. we do realize he is God and what what an honor that is and that we should be very respectful of who he is and we don't need to take that for granted. All right, friends and faithful listeners. Well, this was uh, Leviticus chapter six and I hope you were convicted by this. And if you were, share it on your social media platforms and let people know that the P40 Ministries podcast exists. And also thank you, Jamie, so much for coming on the podcast with us today. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Finally. And, uh, yeah, finally. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see Jamie again sometime, maybe, in the future. But, um, all right, guys, we'll have a wonderful rest of your day, and happy listening, and God bless. Bye.